Welcome to uh, Fiction Forward, episode eight. Oh, <laughs> where our fiction is intersectional. And our ideas are forward. <laughs> we mess up the intro every time. <laughs> So welcome back. It's episode eight. It's a short one. We've got some news coming up for you this week. Some interesting things and interesting, I mean, good and bad things have happened in the past couple hours. So we'll, we'll go over all of that. Uh, last week we talked with Claire Kahn, author of Let's Talk About Love, which was a great conversation about representation in young adult fiction why that matters um and just like what what do good examples of that look like um so some of our news relates to that as well uh some of it relates to the the ever timely hashtag me too movement as well um as it permeates many industries the book industry is not left behind in this so we'll talk about that and uh, just so that everyone knows, in case you didn't hear our last episode, in which case you should, um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're moving to a slightly different format in which we publish every other week, and one of those episodes will be a little longer, we'll be talking about a specific book, we might even have a, a special, you know, guest, like last time with Let's Talk About Love. Next time we also have a special guest. But uh, those will be a little longer, and then in between we're doing these fun little uh, shorter episodes. will be about a half hour, and this time we're doing a news roundup. That's going to be usually what these are, unless we have something specific that we want to like add on to these little smaller ones. But yeah, enjoy the news roundup. Yeah. Uh, so first up, we have the not-so-good news uh Figured we'd start out with that and then have a nice palate cleanser afterwards because I know for me, Spoilers. <laughs> I know for me, every time I open my damn Twitter feed, I have an aneurysm and just, <laughs> oh my God, masculinity frustrates me sometimes. Hypermasculinity, I should, I should specify. Um, not all men. <laughs> it's not, not all, I'm a nice guy, I swear. Um, so today, the author of The Maze Runner, James Dashner, was dropped by his literary agent amid allegations of sexual misconduct. Because that's new and unique. Yeah. Uh, the allegations came in light of a comment section, uh, on an article from School Library Journal, which is, like, a monthly magazine for librarians and Dashner wasn't the only author implicated in this um and over the past month uh a lot of other allegations against different authors have surfaced as well um including Jay Asher uh who's the author of 13 Reasons Why and <laughs> I have to put a little asterisk next to this because uh, it's not so it doesn't follow the same pattern as a lot of other 
misconduct allegations and harassment allegations. Basically, Jay Asher had a bunch of side chicks (laughs) while also being married. And none of the other women who he was having relationships with knew about the other women. So then they all found out about each other and shit kind of hit the fan. So, And I mean, they were also like, from my understanding, all women he worked with. So it's like icky in the first place and he's married and he has all of these people he's like having relationships (laughs) with that like don't necessarily know about each other Mm -hmm. and and like the oh oh my gosh like one article i was reading about it was like oh and the women like approached him about it too and it's like okay great but like those women aren't the one who are sleeping with like several different partners behind like your maid partner's back i don't i don't know like cheating cheating is bad no matter what but like there's there's i I don't know i just feel like some things would make it worse (laughs) and like Okay, so the this press release that Kelly just mentioned, it's a statement from Asher's spokesperson, from Jay Asher's spokesperson, and uh, basically it says the word consensual like 10 million times, mm-hmm. and then it like keeps explaining that he had these consensual relationships that quote-unquote ended poorly, and like... <laughs> like it keeps trying to like make it okay, but it's like definitely not okay, and also... Um, it says, Mr. Asher was married at the time of these relationships, as were many of the women. Like, okay, we get it. Like, the women, ha- like, they were in relationships with him. We understand. Like, <laughs> But he's, like, the common denominator in this situation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, if one guy, like, has sex with, like, 30 women, and he's married... And they all have sex with him and they're married. They only cheated on their significant others with one person. He cheated on his significant other with 30 people. Like, this is not... <laughs> like, like, 85. Was, yeah. <laughs> like, an example, by the way. It wasn't... He did not cheat on his wife with 30 people. I have no idea how many people he cheated on his wife with. But you get my point. Yeah. <laughs> also, I love the argument about, like, a group of authors with whom he had consensual relationships that ended poorly... And this was in response to hurt feelings. Like, Mm. I love the way that they phrase it. Like, no, this is just a group of women who, like, got their feelings hurt. Like, their feelings got hurt. It's like, I wonder who fucking hurt their feelings in the first place. (laughs) So, So while this is a little different from other stories that we've heard uh, in regards to, like, the hashtag... Me Too movement. I don't know. It's still pretty, still pretty shitty thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it is creepy at best. Yeah, very creepy. And to clarify, like the other allegations that came forward about authors and publishing people in the children's book industry were not like it wasn't all this like borderline like just he slept with a bunch of people. Like a lot of them were quote-unquote more like the usual sexual harassment and assault stories that we hear in the media like those ones were more textbook of like men doing explicitly creepy things or like trying to get like women in bed from like a weird power dynamic anyway but yeah, yeah this one in particular was like a little out of the ordinary 
Yeah. Still, still shitty though. So, um, the one part that does give me hope about this too is that the industry is being responsive to it in that like, for example, like James Dashner's agent dropped him, you know, so there's like some sort of accountability. Yeah. And Jay Asher, um, there was a release released that, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that Jay Asher had nothing to do with season two of uh, 13 Reasons Why. He, like, wasn't really involved at all. Um, mm-hmm. And supposedly, like, they released that to distance themselves from the allegations against him. So yeah. they definitely Damn. know that something is not cool. Well, you can, you can miss me with both Jay Asher and 13 Reasons Why. So, yeah. And I have more than 13 reasons why I don't like it. But... <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Indeed. I think that's a conversation for another episode. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so the comment section that we mentioned before that, like, Jay Asher and James Dashner, which their names are, like, weirdly similar for me. I, I hate how similar they sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, the comment section that we mentioned that, uh, that those allegations originally came from, um, Kelly already mentioned that that was from the school library journal magazine their website but um so that article was actually about a couple of other allegations against a couple of other people in the publishing industry and it was also kind of a general article just like talking about the fact that children's publishing also has a sexual harassment problem etc etc so like a few people commented and one of the comment threads specifically mentioned a medium article where the author of this medium article had interviewed anonymously like a bunch of people in the publishing world who had had to deal with like different sexual harassment etc and um someone commented and they were like yeah i was quoted in that medium article the person who assaulted me was jay asher and then a bunch mm-hmm. of people commented and they were like oh my person is james dashner or like my person is also jay asher and like there were a lot of people who like had multiples of names going like yeah me too with james asher or james dashner oh god (laughs) me too with jay asher etc like there were there were a lot of multiples of names there was also um one more there was a sherman alexi who wrote the absolutely true diary of a part-time indian it was like a pretty popular book at the time um not much has like come to come to be written about like that allegation specifically but definitely jay asher and james dashner were like written about a decent amount because of this comment section so um yeah a combination of like the medium article which was also a general article about sexual harassment in the children's book industry and had like a lot of anonymous sources um you know that one and the school library journal one really like started a big uh discussion about sexual harassment in children's publishing specifically and there was also an article in publishers weekly also about sexual harassment and a lot of people were quoted in that one saying like talking about the fact that even though men are a minority of the overall publishing workforce 51 percent of management is made up of men and also they still make more money than women on average in publishing even though there's like way more women in the publishing industry than men (laughs) So that's a little e. And also, apparently, in the 1980s, the publishing industry had a reputation of quote unquote heavy partying, according to Brooke Warner, who is the publisher of She Writes Press, 
who is quoted in Publishers Weekly, um, she said that there was like a lot of partying and that a lot of men will talk about that time as being like awesome, but she's never heard any women say that it was like a particularly sexually progressive or whatever. So she, she says that in her opinion, men feel that they had a free pass at that time in the 80s and it was better because it was less politically correct. Mm-hmm. So like maybe some of these men are kind of still living in that age where like it was quote unquote okay for them to have this crappy behavior. Yeah, because it's it's so much easier to just like blame something else rather than like having to confront your own shitty behavior yeah. like, and like change something about yourself and like work towards like a more like positive experience in your life oh my god it's not me kelly maybe every woman in the world is wrong (laughs) it's that's yup that's it that's (laughs) that's the truth right there i also appreciated that publishers weekly took the time to like explicitly say the overwhelming majority of women who spoke to us for this article said that they felt embarrassed about or somewhat responsible for what happened to them and then have quotes from someone who like said that the the assault they experienced made them embarrassed and feel stupid. So like I feel like a lot of articles kind of distance themselves from how their sources feel about it and I did appreciate mm-hmm. that they like included that little footnote. Uh cuz like I I know for myself it's like like comforting in like a weird kind of macabre way <laughs> that like other women out there understand that feeling of like being embarrassed or like feeling like you're responsible for it and it's just it's just easier to see that it's like oh it's not us it's not us like we're not the guilty ones you know it's like it's these other idiots (laughs) (laughs) and don't have any like self-control and like instead of like trying to like change or like repent or whatever words you want to choose it's like oh well you're crazy you're the one who's overreacting you know like you're this is your fault i don't have anything to do with this so to that i say fuck you (laughs) (laughs) i agree but yeah and i feel like the publishing industry like overall in a general pattern you know if you look at it over years it is trending toward getting better like the whole diversity issue too is like trending toward getting like the whole publishing industry has like all of their issues and they're all kind of slowly becoming a little less terrible (laughs) (laughs) slowly but not completely we're not we're not there quite yet um so that leads us to uh this year's carnegie medal nominations uh and their their long list or short list i don't know all of these lists are long to me so like uh uh, anyway for those not in the know the carnegie and kate greenaway medals are british british prizes for children's books uh carnegie covers the writing part kate greenaway covers the illustrating part um so they they just recently released their 2018 contenders um last year the carnegie medal received some backlash uh from some prominent writers including alex weedle and sunny singh and also philip pullman as well who pointed out that (laughs) of all the of all the nominations and of all the many books asian authors and 
minority ethnic novelists failed to make a dent on its long list, according to The Guardian. So out of all of these books nominated, not one person wasn't white. So that's not that's not great because that's not very that's a low percentage. <laughs> that's very, very not diverse. Um even though there was like a lot of exceptional books put out that year and and this year as well, none of the authors showed up on that list. So Carnegie heard the backlash and decided to respond to it and basically said like, "Hey, well, we thought we were pretty inclusive already, but I guess we need to Why be more inclusive." <laughs> I thought our zero percent <laughs> diversity rate was pretty good. <laughs> I will read this quote from uh, the chief executive of the Chartered Institute of Library and Information Professionals, who they're the ones uh, sponsoring this award. He said, The books on the long list are judged on merit and on an equal playing field. This year's long list represents, in the opinion of the judges, the very best books of the year, with no consideration of gender or ethnicity of either the writer, illustrator, or audience. I'm colorblind. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even see people of color. They're just invisible to me. That's why they're not on this list. Um, so we went ahead and looked at the nominations for 2018 coming up because supposedly there's more, there's more representation, more diversity this year. Guys, um, we literally, like, Kelly and I googled every <laughs> single one of these authors. Okay, we were supposed to start recording like two hours ago. I was like, Jackie, take half of this list. Um, so of all of the 121 nominations for the 2018 Carnegie Medal, and this, this isn't even clu- including the Kate Greenaway Medal, um, 11.5% of the authors on this list are authors of color, um, ranging from South Korean, Indian, Chinese, Black, um, still a very, very small percentage like, are you happy now? There's 14. <laughs> like, that, no. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so referring back to this Guardian article about the Carnegie Medal on the Kate Greenaway long list, <laughs> among the 20 nominees, there are no non-white artists. None whatsoever. Some new names that appeared on the list this year at least for the Carnegie list, um, best-selling African-American author Angie Thomas uh, for her young adult novel, The Hate You Give, which explores the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, Also, Irfan Master, who is a British Indian, for his young adult novel, Out of Heart. And also, Kieran Millwood Hargrave, who is also Indian, um, for her novel, The Island at the End of Everything. Other, I mean, obviously that wasn't all 14. There's a couple other popular ones like Nicola Yoon and Kendari Blake. Um, those are pretty popular YA authors right now. But yeah, there's there's a few more. Joseph Coelho, um, one of the Black authors on the list, was also the only poetry book to be nominated this year, which is pretty cool as well. Um, but just like <laughs> with any social change movement, uh, progress is slow painful and drudging but how's that progress nonetheless 
Yeah, then we gave you one. Are you happy now? Yeah, progress is pretty slow, but also we have some good news. Just kind of going to bring this in near the end of our show because we want to end this on a happy note. You know, after the yeah. the 11.5% and the sexual misconduct, I feel like we should say something happy about publishing. Um, <laughs> there are good things happening. happening. So uh, actually on February 8th of this year, Penguin Random House announced that they are creating a new imprint. So if you don't know what an imprint is, it's kind of like a like a department sort of. It's like a little area of a publisher that only publishes a certain kind of novel. Like Harper Voyager only publishes sci-fi and fantasy, but their parent company is still HarperCollins. Like that book is published ultimately by HarperCollins, but the imprint is called Harper Voyager. So there's also like Harper Teen, there's Penguin Teen, there's like a whole bunch of them. Like, for example, HarperCollins has over 50 imprints, which is insane. But it's like also, that's like fairly normal. Like, there's always, there's so many imprints. So anyway, so the new imprint is, uh, it's specifically for children's and YA books, like ranging from picture books to, uh, you know, young adult, including middle grade and all that good stuff. And they'll also be publishing graphic novels, which is cool. And it is called Cocula. And I might be pronouncing that slightly wrong, please don't hate me, but they actually included a pronunciation guide in the press release, so hopefully I'm not too far off. (laughs) Um, So that new imprint is going to actually be headed up by a woman of color, followed up by the staff that's been announced so far. It's only like three people who have been announced, but they are also women of color, which is cool and i'm pretty excited about it so like i have some concerns i'll go into them in a minute but the exciting part is that this is specifically for diverse children's and ya books so like anyone who wants to any like diverse authors any it's it's specifically the press release included like differently abled any kind of mental illness or physical like disability anything like that uh religion LGBT issues, gender, like anything like that, diversity on all fronts is really like what they're going for for this new imprint, which is super cool. And um, it also included the the description, other markers, which was a little weird. It was like, it listed like, (laughs) Kokola will not only focus on race or ethnicity, but will also be publishing stories centered around sexuality, religion, ability, and other markers which just (laughs) what is a marker like okay (laughs) um so that was kind of strange but i think that it's really cool that a publisher looked at the we need diverse books campaign and looked at like the discourse surrounding books like the black witch and thought to themselves like hey we should probably focus more on this and they like made a whole other section of their publishing company with like a whole other like board of people who are in charge of it who are going to be focusing on this one issue and I'm like super for it like I was expecting the like diversity quote-unquote like area to be headed up by like frankly like white women because that's like mostly what publishing is Mm -hmm. headed up by or like white women and I was really pleasantly surprised that like all of the people who were described in the article were women of color so that was super cool and the woman who's in charge um her name her name is uh 
Namrata Tripathi, and I'm so sorry that I'm terrible at pronouncing names, but um, she sounds really awesome. So she formerly was the associate publisher and editorial director of Dial Books for Young Readers, which is another Penguin imprint, and um, she was actually born Ooh. in the USSR, but she's an Indian expat. Hmm which is interesting. And she's lived in um, Afghanistan, India, Canada, Pakistan, Germany, Poland, and New York, which is where she's lived since 1997. And she she's actually like still trying to get official US citizenship. I mean, like she's, she's like here legally and everything, but like she is not technically a full citizen. So she's still working on that. But I think it's really cool that mm-hmm. like an Indian expat who was born in the USSR is like heading up a whole whole area of Penguin Random House. I'm really excited to see um, what's going to be produced out of this too. And if it's going to affect like anything else that Penguin Random House does, because like, I think it's fantastic. But like one question that I was like asking myself was like, what are they focusing on with the rest of their imprints like is that is this just like one area where they're like hey we're doing diversity stuff so we're really cool here you go but then like all the other branches are kind of ignored or I don't know I I would just like to see if that affects more of like their other like areas of publishing like if it has an influence on the brand as a whole rather than just like one one little avenue you know what usually happens with publishing is like imprints have themes that they try and stick to but sometimes they'll publish outside of that theme so like every once in a while there will be an imprint that Mm -hmm. focuses on nonfiction, but then it'll like still publish fiction books as long as it like keeps with their theme you know so i'm yeah i'm interested to see if like they'll just throw every author of color to like this imprint or like like how is this gonna work like but mm-hmm. I am pretty excited just for the fact that they did it and that they're having a woman of color be in charge. It's not, like, a white woman with, like, a couple of people of color, like, involved. Like, they are they are for real in charge because mm-hmm. um, Tripathi also co-chairs the diversity hiring committee at Penguin Young Readers. Started the Penguin Stories That's program, great. which I tried to research and I can't really find much. I think she started it she must have started it recently because i can't really figure out other than the fact that it's supposed to further like conversations about diversity i can't really figure out what it is but she is also a mentor Mm -hmm. in the representation matters mentorship program and was a founding member of the cbc diversity committee so like she has some stuff behind her like i am excited for her to like be in charge of this and then there's also um jasmine ribeiro and uh Joanna Cardenas and they also have a lot of chops behind them like they both have a lot of experience in publishing Joanna um, was literally given a publishers weekly star watch mention like she's an up-and-coming publishing talent and uh, and she's involved in the steering committee for Latinx in publishing and she co-founded the representation matters mentorship program which I just said Tripathi was also involved in so like these people are really involved I think they're really excited for this like diversity like area of Penguin Random House and I'm like pretty excited to see where this goes because these people seem really driven but yeah I mean like there's a couple of things that 
are a little concerning. Like, um, the wording from Penguin's press release. Like, I already said that they they referred to other other markers, which was like a little weird. <laughs> but also, um, they described the the stories, like the books that they'll be focusing on, as from the margins, which is kind of weird. Like, diversity stories and, like, diverse authors are not, like, from the margins. Like, minorities are minorities, but there's, like, a lot of them. Like, it's it's not, like, 1% of the population. Yeah. It's not, like, literally from the margins or whatever. Like, I've read a lot of books recently about, like, yeah. homophobia, for example. Like, that's not in the margins. That's, like, a huge part of our culture right now and, like, a huge issue we're facing. So, like, yeah. I'm a little concerned about the wording. I don't know who wrote that press release, but that was a little concerning. And then there's also, so mm-hmm. I mentioned the, like, women of color who I'm, like, really excited about being on this on this board. But then there's also a woman um, named Jen Loha, um, president of the Penguin Young Readers um like whole area like she's literally the president of penguin young readers and um she has almost yeah. 10 years of experience at penguin which is like really cool but also she like outranks everyone including the person who is like in charge <laughs> of this whole imprint which is really <laughs> weird because she's um i mean like i don't know her like personal genetic history but she is like very white passing she's like a light-skinned blonde woman she is like either green or blue eyes I don't know but um she's like very white passing so I'm a little concerned as to like why she's she seems like sort of a chaperone to me like this this woman who's like the president of young readers as a whole is like also on this one specific imprint that's just women of color like like why are you here but yeah overall I'm like really excited for it and I'm really glad that I can share with you guys that that this is happening. Oh, also, in case you were wondering, the name Kokola is uh, in reference to a bird. It is a Sanskrit word for um, the coal bird, um, and it's supposed to be a harbinger of new beginnings. With um, supposedly, it has like roots in Indian poetry and myths, which is super cool. And um, in the spirit of the name. They want to make space for storytellers to explore the full range of their experiences in books for young readers, which I think is a pretty cool, like, reason behind the name. Yeah. So, yeah, social change. Small, but still progress. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't even call that the the imprint thing small. That's, like, that's a pretty big step forward. Um and those steps forward, like, those happen because of people like you speaking up and, like, being vocal on social media platforms, demanding for your voices to be heard, because publishers are going to have to start listening if they want to, like, continue to be relevant, if they want to continue to, like, sell books and stuff. Um, you know, if they're not paying attention to what their audience wants, then they're they're not going to be successful. So that's, like, that's a good incentive for them to be listening to you um so you can you can treat this like you know you would with like any any politician or like house representative or something like send emails to your your favorite publisher or maybe your least favorite publisher and like maybe suggest to them like what they can do to improve like what's missing 
from their picture right now like whose identities aren't they considering um and in the meantime (laughs) while you're over there in your email you can shoot us off an email too (laughs) uh you can reach us at fictionforward at fictionistmag.com send us some book suggestions yep pictures of dogs uh Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you don't like. You can also reach us on our Twitter as well, which is at fiction underscore forward. <laughs> the underscore is very important. Um, do the same thing there. We just want to hear from you. We like we like discourse. We like suggestions. So feel free to reach out. Yeah. Uh, so our next episode coming up, we are going to be interviewing Caleb Rorig, the author of White Rabbit. Which is a YA murder mystery novel with some LGBT representation, which is pretty cool. And I'm very, very, very excited for this. But for now, this has been our short news roundup episode. Uh, So you can catch us again on episode nine. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.